On January 31, 1993, in Amarillo, Texas, a wife and daughter return home expecting to see their father and husband enjoying the Super Bowl. What they find is a VCR recording the game, freshly made sandwiches in the fridge, and he is nowhere to be found. Unbeknownst to them, 1,600 miles away, a John Doe is seen walking down the middle of a highway. A car pulls over to help, but by the time they return to him, he has been run over and killed by a hit-and-run driver. He remains unidentified for 11 years, but he is the man from Amarillo missing. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of David Glenn Lewis. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, chilly basement. Somewhere in the bowels of Georgia. So how you been there? Listen, uh, I, no, listen. I had the <laughs> hardest time with this opening. I don't know. I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to word it. I didn't know how to to make it clear. You're supposed to be the cunning but linguist. I understand that, but this case is so freaking weird that I. I mean, I don't. I didn't know what to do. I mean, honestly, I really didn't. This is probably one of the weirdest cases I've ever heard in my entire life. It is extremely odd. Like we've always said, we don't blah, blah, blah. We don't answer questions. We answer them in a minute. You know the whole routine. This is fucking crazy. It is a doozy. And we say that a lot, but and, this and, one is. And the fact of the matter is that it was in 1993, right in the heart of Unsolved Mysteries popularity. And they didn't do it. How do you not do this case? I don't, and we didn't know about it. We, like we said. I had never heard of it until you sent me a, yeah, a message. Like last week, we were talking about, you know, oh, we've been doing too many missing person cases. We got to, you know, it's not a missing persons podcast, blah, 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 blah. But then we came across this one. We already had one planned. Emma Philippoff, you heard it last week. But this one, we had to do because we neither one of us had heard of it. And it's fucking insane i think we've said that a couple of times but i have to echo the fact that it is messed up anyway we did happen to get another five star rating which is a, a wonderful we love you we love every single one of you that reaches out and gives us any type of feedback but when it's a five star review you're definitely gonna get a shout out on the podcast uh this one comes from bnick 73 and he said great listen the moist basement, I imagine, has a red yarn strings tying all the events to the Sasquatch. Two old boys telling it how it is. You guys keep it up. Which kind of creeps me out. How? He knew we had string, but it's not red? No. Either he <laughs> is just very good at guessing, or he got a view inside this place. Because <laughs> pretty damn accurate, if you ask me. Again, like we said last week, if you are a patron, we appreciate you, and we're going to send you something. It's not going to say it may not say "Mysterious Bruise" on it yet, but you're going to get something sometime soon. So be looking out for it. And if it doesn't arrive, it wasn't the fact that we didn't send it; 
It was the mail. Swear to God. Yeah. COVID. <laughs> it wasn't because we forgot. I no. assure you. We're on top of things. <laughs> All right. We did get a new Patreon patron, and that is Tracy Leanne 76. Gotta love it. And last week, I kind of. I still ain't seen a damn dime from this. I don't know what you're doing. Coke. <laughs> that last, makes sense. Last week, I butchered this one, and I want to apologize. We had a patron, Miss Peace Cat, and she is from Gravenhurst, Ontario, Canada, not California. Yeah, those are two different places. Yeah, they're hugely different. There might even be, there may even be in two separate countries. I don't know. I don't know. But again, our apologies to Miss Peace Cat. I'm in such a good mood, man. I just love doing this podcast, man. Like, I mean, I never thought that we would actually have people listen. I truly 100% thought that my saint angel of a mother would be the only person that would listen to this thing. And the fact that we are not only getting fans, but we're getting fans that are sending us stuff. Yeah. We're... Like they enjoy what we do, is and I have to pinch myself. The fact that not only do we have fans, not only do we have fans that reach out, not only do we have fans that talk to us, tell us that we're doing a good job, thanking us for the shit that we're doing. We're just two dumbasses in a basement, literally. But we had a, ma- a listener named Chuck Ball, who is a super fan. One of our, we got about ten to fifteen th- people that I would actually call super fans, and that is freaking amazing to me. But he actually went out, sent us a message that said he did something for us. He went out and he bought a map from Barnes & Noble. Not a big deal, but he took the time. The big deal is, is he took the time to put a dot on every location in the United States of every case that we have covered. That's so freaking, that was so cool to me. I told everybody I knew. I mean, I have not shut up about it. So thank you so much, Mr. Ball. We have not received it yet. But as soon as we do, it's going right up here in the basement, and then we're going to be keeping up with it uh, diligently. Every time we do a new case, we're going to put another spot on there. So we know where we've covered and where we haven't. But if anybody out there gets inspired by that and wants to send us a world map. And we do have a couple of listeners from Australia and Tasmania. Yeah. Well, considering Tasmania is in Australia. I didn't mean that. (laughs) I know that's how it came across. In my head, it was... <laughs> and you want to do that for us, it'd be much easier because we've only done about four or five outside the country. But we'll keep up with that one as well. That, my friend, is amazing. Chuck Ball, you're one hell of a man. Keep doing what you're doing, whatever that may be. But thank you. Thank you. Thank <clears throat> you, Mr. Ball. All right, let's get in. That we're gonna, we don't, We're just drinking beer. Skip the beer. Nobody cares. This we got to talk about this case. It's from Texas, so just if you're from Texas, pick your favorite, and that's what we're drinking. Yeah, we're drinking a Texas beer. <laughs> just because, just it, pick one because we can't get them here. No, so it could be in the shape of Miller Lite, or it could not be. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I can assure you, sir, I do not drink Miller Lite. Mister David Glenn Lewis. What the actual hell, man? A lawyer from Texas, and he excited about the Super Bowl because it's 1993 and the Dallas Cowboys are actually pretty damn good. 
They rolling. They are in the Super Bowl about to win it again. Boy, I'll tell you what, this is another, we can't really, I'm so excited about the case, I don't really do want to do a bunch of sidebars, but good God, how bad is the NFC East, man? I'm a New York Giants fan, and it's almost as wretched as the South, except for New Orleans. Well, all I'm saying is, how are you going to have the Dallas Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Washington football team, and the New York Giants, four of the historically Good franchises suck. Suck <laughs> this bad. Like, it's insane. Like, you're going to see a losing record make the playoffs. Losing record make the playoffs. The Giants happen to win today. And uh, let me see. It Hold could on. be worse. Hold on. The New York football Giants are in first place of the division. At four and seven. It could be worse. You could be a Denver Bronco fan waking up this morning going, I think we're going to have a running back play quarterback today. All four of them are quarantined. And they'll probably, they would probably beat the Giants, the Redskins, <laughs> the Eagles, the Cowboys. <laughs> no play. offense to my friends in Colorado. Not at all. I just think. That's just typical 2020 there. They're going to call some. had on the board, the Denver Broncos would have to play a game without a quarterback. No one. Dude, okay. literally, like, they could probably pull somebody. Like, some guy living in Denver. Oh, I played for Buffalo. I mean, the. Uncle Rico. Yeah, I used to play for the University of Colorado Buffaloes back eight years ago. I didn't make the NFL, blah, 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 but now I live in Denver. Hey, you want to play one game for $100,000? And they'd still beat one of these four teams. True. <laughs> All right, so we digress. But Mr. David Glenn Lewis was born in Borger, Texas, 1953. He was the second of two children to Herschel and Esther Lewis. All I'm saying is, look, the Falcons are 3-7 and seven in last place. The Giants are in first place at four and seven. <laughs> That's insanity. Okay, sorry. David graduated from high school in 1972 and from there went on to Texas Tech University, where he was an honor student and graduated with a degree in political science. He continued on to Texas Tech University Law School, gaining, gaining a doctorate in jurisprudence in 1979. So he's a smart man. He's definitely a smart man. He practiced as an attorney in Amarillo and was a member of the American Bar Association. He married his wife, Karen, in 1981, and their only child, a daughter, was born a couple years later. David was a member of a local church, a Sunday school teacher, a member of the director's board of the Dumas Community Education Advisory Council, and a district chairman involved in the Boy Scouts of America. David was said to be a dedicated family man and charity volunteer who was close to his parents and his brother. Now, Super Bowl weekend of 1993. I can't remember. I'm going to look it up. I, don't, I can't remember. Probably still in January. <laughs> Not February the 18th. No, it was. Yeah. I was. What I'm saying is I'm going to try to look up whether it was the first or the second one the, the Cowboys played in. I think it was the second. I know they beat the Bills for the second time because the Bills lost to the Giants, the Redskins, the Cowboys, and the Cowboys all from the NFC East. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. David's wife and daughter headed from their home in Amarillo to Dallas around 400 miles away for a weekend of shopping. They departed Amarillo on the 28th of January, leaving David at home alone for the next couple of days. 
It is known that David was last seen alive on the 30th of January, but where and by whom has not been revealed. On the 31st of January, the day of the Super Bowl. This would be the first time the Cowboys beat the, uh, this is the first time the Cowboys beat the Bills, and this is the one where they beat the hell out of them, 52 to 17. And the coin toss, just a little bit of true crime trivia, O.J. Simpson. Boy, if we only knew what we knew. (laughs) (laughs) David's wife and daughter returned home from Dallas expecting to find David waiting for them, and they were surprised when the man was nowhere to be found. Tape recorder, VCR, had been left recording the Super Bowl, though it had continued to run after the game had finished. Well, here's the thing you have to know about this. This is why what happened... And where he was found is so very strange because this is a VCR that you have to manually hit record. So I'm assuming the tape is eight hours. So within eight, and it's still running. So eight hours before they return to find him missing, someone, most likely him, hits record on this, but hits record on the VCR. So he's there. We could, we're, we're, I'm going to assume it's him. Yeah. He's there at the house at the very least within eight hours. Yes. So they find two freshly made sandwiches in the fridge. They find his wedding ring and his watch on the kitchen counter. There were no signs of a struggle or anything disturbed in the house that would point towards burglary or foul play. It appeared as though David had simply slipped out for a while. Due to the game and the tape recording, David's wife believed David may have gone to a friend's house to watch and would return home. However, a day later, the 1st of February, there was still no sign of David, and that is when his wife goes to the Amarillo Police Department to report her husband missing. So unbeknownst to them, 1,600 miles away on February 1st in Washington, what is it, Yakima, Washington? Yakima County, Washington, Yakima around County, Washington. 10.30 p.m., 10.30 p.m. on February 1st, a man is seen walking down the middle of a highway. Route 24 near Moxie. He's wearing Army-style clothing, Army-style boots, and he does not look like he's in the best type of shape. Maybe disheveled, maybe confused, whatever. And a car passes him. The people in that car decide that that's very dangerous as one would as one would uh, be led to believe they drive approximately a mile away and turn around and come back to try to help the gentleman by the time they return that gentleman has been struck by a car he is now dead and whomever struck him has fled the scene now some sources unconfirmed will come out and state that this man was lying down on the road, while others would claim that he was walking along the center of the road. Mm -hmm. Either way, this is not something someone in their right mind should be doing. No. And the people in the car are going to say that he was walking, so I'm going to believe them. When police arrive, they find a middle-aged man, dressed like Coach had stated in military-style clothing and work boots, An examination found no traces of alcohol or drugs in his system. Investigators believed him to have been the victim of an accidental hit and run, and 
Supposedly, a Chevy Camaro was seen leaving the scene around the time of his death. The man had not been carrying any identification when he was killed, and his identity was unknown. Unaware of this discovery, the investigation into David's disappearance continues. So on February the 2nd, this is the day after the John Doe body is found in the middle of the road, the investigation into David Glenn Lewis's disappearance in Amarillo begins to heat up when they find David's car. He had a red Ford Explorer that was found outside the Potter County Courts building downtown. Under a mat on the floor, police find David's house key and his car keys. His checkbook, credit cards, and driver's license were inside the car in the usual place David kept them. With the recovery of these items in his vehicle and the fact that his wife found his wedding ring and his watch at home, he has no personal effects that are missing. And this leads police to absolutely nothing. There is more questions than they have answers. Mm -hmm. However... The investigation does lead to an interesting piece of information. Sometime before his death, David had informed his wife that he believed he had been in danger. He wouldn't, however, tell his wife any information about the threats he believed to be going on or what the cause of that danger would be. David's family believed his disappearance may have been linked to his work as an attorney maybe a disgruntled client or an individual who held David accountable for something that had happened as a result of a case and wanted to exact revenge on him. David was due in Dallas a week after his disappearance for a deposition in a conflict of interest case between his former law firm and a very wealthy client. David had told his father that he had no intention of covering up any wrongdoing by his former firm and was going to, quote, tell the truth, whoever it hurt, end quote. If that don't sound ominous, and if that don't sound like it gets you in some trouble. Mm. Those leads went nowhere. And it wasn't until investigators made a significant discovery that David had purchased two plane tickets in his name around the time of his disappearance. The first ticket was purchased on the 31st, and it was a ticket from Dallas to Amarillo. Interestingly, this is the same journey David's wife and daughter made on the same day. Yeah, but here's the thing is the plane ticket is from Dallas to Amarillo. He is in Amarillo. That's, that. I mean, that's a 300 and something mile trip. So was he planning on driving there and then flying back? That does It doesn't make any sense. No, none. The second ticket was purchased a day later on the 1st of February, and it was a ticket from Los Angeles to Dallas. This is the day that John Doe's body was found in Washington State. Mm -hmm. The intention of the plane tickets is unknown. They don't even, they also don't know if they were even used. Right. Did he intend to use them? If so, how the hell was he going to get from his home in Amarillo to Dallas, a five-hour car journey? Fly back to Amarillo, and then the next day somehow be in Los Angeles and fly back to Dallas. Well, what's the point of that? And why? 
so the man has purchased tickets to fly from destinations that he is not at, but he is going to be found 1,600 miles within 24 hours of his disappearance. His, he's going to be dead 1,600 miles in Yakima County, Washington, in clothes he does not own. With no identification. With no identification on him. Less than 24 hours of him being missing. Now, we'll get to the fact that he's going to stay a John Doe for 11 years, but we'll get to that. But just the fact of the matter is, he didn't live 24 hours after his disappearance. He is dead. There is no explanation of how he got there. And in Amarillo, since there were no more leads, they basically closed his case after 11 months because they were unaware of John Doe's body 1,600 miles away. Well, of course. I mean, at the time, why would you – it's just – I mean, now we can say, oh, that's crazy. Why wouldn't they do this? Why would they do that? It's because of people have been ruined by damn CSI. You watch that damn CSI show and you think. DNA comes back in 24 hours. Yeah, why didn't they just fucking run a computer scan of blah, blah, blah? It's like, no, that's not how it worked. And it definitely wasn't how it worked in 1993. No. So in 2000. 2000- I mean, OJ got away with murder. Yeah. In 1995. So clearly. They don't know what they are. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> In 2002, police told local press that the plane tickets purchased in David's name around the time of his disappearance led them to believe that David left home on his own accord and they did not expect or suspect foul play in the case. Since there was no other leads coming, that is how it was left in 2002. So in 2003, 10 years after John Doe's body was found in Yakima County, Washington, near Moxie, a Washington patrol detective named Pat Dieter, or Dieter, however you want to Dieter, pronounce it. Dieter. D-I-T-T-E-R. It's, read a newspaper series. Dieter. Entitled, quote, Without a Trace About Missing Person Cases. Which is, yeah, the way that he, the, the way that he's identified is super cool. Like, just the fact that this guy just decided to do it and actually figured a case out is amazing. Yeah. So Pat reads the series of articles about flaws in missing persons investigation and particularly flaws in the National Crime Information Center computer system at the time. Pat was known to be a dedicated detective and a stickler for details. Inspired by the thought that possible identities for unidentified victims may have fallen through the cracks of computer databases, Pat took to Google and inputted characteristics related to about a dozen cases, hoping to find missing person cases that matched their descriptions. Did this just out of boredom? I mean, just basically, just fucking around on the computer. Within a week, police finally had a breakthrough: a list of potential victims who roughly matched the description of the Yakima County John Doe. One in particular, a Doe Network entry for David Glenn Lewis, complete with a picture of the missing man, caught Pat's eye. The picture of David was strikingly similar to one Pat had of the John Doe, though he was put off by the lack of glasses on John Doe's body. After looking into the evidence found alongside John Doe's body, Pat discovered that a pair of glasses had in fact been found. Pat went to access the personal effects found with John Doe's body and was able to find the glasses, wrapped in the military-style clothing he had been wearing when he was killed. 
now believing that the connection between his John Doe and David Glenn Lewis may be more than a coincidence, Pat got in contact with the Amarillo police. He later sent them items that could be used for DNA analysts. An analyst. Analysis. Analyst. <laughs> One of the boots the victim had been wearing and a tissue sample preserved since 1993. David's mother, Esther, provided her own DNA sample to test against the unidentified man. In October of 2004, 11 years after David Glenn Lewis went missing, he was positively identified as the deceased man found on Route 24, 1,600 miles from his home. It is unknown why David would have headed to Washington, and nobody has been able to offer any clues into a connection he may have had to that area. Though John Doe has his name back, many questions surround exactly what happened to David Glenn Lewis that weekend and how he ended up in Washington. Police have stated before his body was identified that they believe David went missing on his own accord. David's assertion to his wife that he had been in danger, his demeanor as a loving family man and the nature of his job as an attorney have David's family convinced that he was the victim of a kidnapping or foul play. Pat believes David's death on the road in Yakima to have been an accident rather than a suicide. Nobody is able to provide any answers as to what would lead David to Washington, a state to which he had no ties. The nature and motivations behind the plane ticket purchased in his name also remain a mystery. You could answer the suicide question if the person stuck around and could just literally be like, this this dude jumped in front of my car. But the fact that they took off really leads me to believe that it was an accident. And they said, holy shit, I just killed somebody. I got to get the fuck out of here. And I mean, as horrible and callous as that is, I mean, nobody wants to go to jail, dude. Season two of Fargo. Like, nobody wants to go to jail. Do you want to go to jail? Hell no. My, not less, or not so much I don't want to go to jail. I don't want to go to prison. And if you don't know the difference between that's, jail and well, prison, you're an idiot. That's what I, well, I was talking about prison, Jesus Christ. Don't get me with your damn semantics. Anywho, okay, do you want to go to prison? I don't want to go to either. I said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we cleared that up. <laughs> But here's the thing. This relationship's going nowhere if you don't pay attention to what I say. <laughs> but here's the thing about the people that came across, that came back to help him. They didn't report a car. No, someone else had stated that Chevy Camaro left in a hurry, or they had witnessed a Camaro speeding. I don't know how that come to light. Yeah, but it was not the people that came up. Right, correct, the correct. So they didn't see the car. So who knows what exactly happened? But if I truly believe, if I hit the man and I truly believed he jumped in front of my car, I would have stuck around to say so. But even then, you still might go to jail. So who knows? All right. So there's a news article in the Del Rio News Herald. Herald but, but why go all the way to Washington State to commit suicide? I mean, it's the shit out of me. The, 
No, you answer my question right now. Well, it's beautiful in Washington, and uh, why do you? I, I like military clothing. Why do you? But yeah, and anyway, the suicide doesn't make any sense because the man was happy. He was excited. By all, yeah, by all. But every everyone else was. He he wasn't depressive. He he never, never showed any sign of being depressed. N- not even manic depressive. Not even bipolar. Nothing of that nature. He was excited to watch his Cowboys play in the Super Bowl. So the article in the Del Rio News Herald, dated the 27th of June, 1993, has a timeline that summarizes David's going on on Thursday. It states that Mr. David left Buckner, Laura, and Swindle Law Firm at about noon on January the 28th, stating to co-workers he was ill and going home. He bought gas by credit card and taught a government class at Amarillo College until 10 p.m. Now, that was Thursday. On Friday, a church friend from Dumas said (laughs) she saw him hurrying through the Southwest Airlines terminal at Amarillo's airport. He had no luggage, and a police officer noticed a red Ford Explorer around 10.30 p.m. outside the Potter County's courts building, same building where his Explorer was found. Hmm. Saturday, someone deposited $5,000 in Lewis's bank account. A neighbor stated that he saw his red, David's Red Explorer parked at home and the one parked downtown was gone. And when we say someone, there's, I mean, there's just no trace of if it, if it was him, even if it was him. No one knows whom, whom, I think, whom put the money into the account. All of a sudden it's just there, which is suspicious now on sunday a sheriff's deputy noticed a man who looked like lewis standing across the street from the courts building he was photographing a red explorer again parked out front someone taped the super bowl at lewis's home on his vcr his wife and his daughter returned home and noticed laundry in the dryer and two freshly made turkey sandwiches in the fridge she assumed he was working late a Dallas cab driver drove a man matching Lewis's description from a hotel to Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport on February 1st, stating the man was nervous, fumbled around to pay him from a wad of $100 bills. Police soon find the Explorer out at the courts building with the keys under the mat, his checkbook, driver's license, and two gas credit cards. This article also stated that David's wife, says that only clothing missing from the house was a pair of green sweatpants. It goes on to outline two cases in which David was involved in where someone may have wished him harm. The first was a lawsuit by a murder convict, Bobby Templin, against his former father-in-law that was eventually withdrawn. Lewis represented the father-in-law who felt that Bobby lacked the money and influence to arrange a murder from prison. The other case was the one he was to be deposed in that was a $3 million lawsuit against Lewis, several, several other lawyers, and an engine additive promoter that Lewis represented. But his attorney could see no motive because no one benefits from Lewis's disappearance as it was covered by insurance. Well, it doesn't make sense. I mean, even even if they could have afford or orchestrate a murder from prison, he was seen alone on the road walking, 
and he was killed in a hit and run. There are far easier, 1,600 miles away from his home, there are far easier ways to get a hit. Yeah, I'm thinking a, uh, a revolver. Or how about you just hit and run when he hit and run, wait until he checks his mail, and then hit and run him. Why are you going to take him all the way? So Ugh. let's back up a tad and go through the timeline of the events that we know so far. January 28th, 1993. Crazy. David's wife and daughter head from their home to Amarillo. That's not Okay, that's not the crazy part. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Normal. I'm sorry. Head from their home in Amarillo to Dallas for a weekend shopping trip. January 30th, David is seen alive for the last time before he is seen on the road in Washington. Details of who saw him and where have not been made public. Well, actually, let me let me let me speak on the weirdness of that. I mean, you're going to fly or drive 300 something miles for a shopping trip that is kind of strange but i mean maybe it was just a you know girls weekend i don't know that's what it would seem like no 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 i'm not making i'm not trying to tie it to the case at all no no no. i'm just saying that's what that's just weird yeah to two men but you're right (laughs) (laughs) women plan these weekend shopping trips all the time so you're right it could have been a girl's yeah. Mother-daughter kind of Yeah, deal. it's true. So, But still, that's a long way. Yeah. So January 31st, a plane mm. ticket is purchased in David's name from Dallas to Amarillo. Whether this ticket was used and by who is unclear. David's wife and daughter return home from Dallas to find David nowhere. The tape recorder is recording the Super Bowl game, but continued to record after the game was over. There are two fresh sandwiches in the fridge. She finds his wedding ring and his watch on the kitchen counter. She assumes that he's gone to watch the Super Bowl with his friends. Yeah. February the 1st, a second plane ticket is purchased in David's name. This one traveling from L.A. to Dallas. Again, it is unknown if anyone used this ticket. With no sign of David still, David's wife reports him missing in Amarillo. On February the 1st in Yakima County, Washington, motorist claims... Motorists claim to see an individual on Route 24 near Moxie at around 10.30 p.m. They turn around to one of other drivers, but return to find the man dead. A Chevy Cam- Camaro. A Chevy Camaro. A Chevrolet Camaro, also known as a Camaro, was seen leaving the scene. The deceased man, who was found wearing military clothing, was not identified. He was found to not have been intoxicated at the time of his death, and all... Drug screens were negative. February the 2nd, David's car, a red Ford Explorer, is found parked outside the Potter County Courts building in Amarillo. His personal effects are found under, well, the keys are found under the mat, and then his checkbook and credit cards and all that stuff are found inside where he normally kept them. Fast forward to 2002, police in Amarillo believe there's no foul play to have occurred, and they're stating that David disappeared voluntarily. 2004 is when Pat uses Google and bloodhounds to find that David looks a lot like John Doe. Mm-hmm. Now, we get into some questions that are uh, unanswered. <laughs> <laughs> Sit back, folks. <laughs> Sit back and relax, because... Why did David leave his home in Texas and travel 1,600 miles to Washington State? 
He had no known ties to the state. Was he running from a perceived threat to his life? Was he meeting someone? Did he simply want to leave his family? Did he ever intend to return home? How did David get to Washington in the first place? I don't know. Were the plane tickets brought? Join us next week. (laughs) (laughs) Deuces! Were the plane tickets bought in his name connected to his plans? What's the connection to L.A. is my biggest question. Because if you're going to go to Washington, why are you traveling to L.A. to go to Washington? Just go to Washington. Why are you going to buy a a ticket to go from Dallas to Amarillo when you're in Amarillo? I mean, so, so those, I mean, are there more plane tickets we don't know about? I mean, yeah, I mean, this is pre 9 11, so there's not a whole lot you can do with plane tickets. Well, I mean, we do know that these are purchased. We do know that they're purchased by him. Did he maybe purchase other plane tickets in cash? If he did, why? My biggest thing, and this is another question, what's the significance of the clothing he was found in when he was struck by the car? I mean, according to what I read, the wife never said anything about him owning military-style clothing or work boots. And then, why was he on that road? There's an interesting article that we will post a link to about this, and it is titled, Do You Know the Way to Joan Bonet? And it is a rabbit hole that you may may not want to dive down. It's odd, to say the least. Uh, I didn't find this, so I'm intrigued. You have piqued my interest as well, sir. It goes into the Ramsey case. Are they going to... Okay, go ahead. I am, I am fully. You're, you, I'm at full attention. They're going to tie this to the Jean Benet Ramsey I, case. It, the way it starts off is a case in Colorado. It well that too, but that's a case in Colorado from people that moved from Georgia, and they're going to tie it to this case. It say, it says that th- that case has more questions than ever, and felt like, and the the article. The author of the article states that it was one of the most ambivalent cases that he had ever read until he found David Glenn Lewis's case. Okay. And it goes through... Still confused. Yeah, I don't know how it ties into... But they have a picture of David with his glasses. And those are very distinct glasses. Very distinct glasses. You mean nerdy? I mean, they go from his eyebrows to the cheekbones. They're huge. Bottle tops. Oh, these are mason anyway, jar bottoms. Right. This ain't a, this ain't an eyeglasses podcast. Let's keep going. It goes through basically what we had talked about, and it says that he stumbled upon this case when there was a series of newspaper articles published in 2003 in Seattle, and the the name of the article was. People go missing and killers go free. And it was an expose in 2003 on what we had stated earlier about the National Crime Information Center computer being basically shit. Well, they're trying their best. And pre-9-11, police departments did not talk to each other. And that's what this this article basically says. You know, 
we have to get better at sharing information. Yeah, if you've ever read or seen the movie the book is based on about the Zodiac, if you've ever seen the movie Zodiac, you will learn. That was a big reason why they could never get him, is the police departments didn't talk to each other. No. They didn't share information. Why? Who the fuck knows? It goes also, this article also goes into uh, Pat doing his Google search and tying them together. And just the fact that the man solved a, a missing persons case with Google is amazing. Yes, it is. Hats off to the man. Now, the, Pat the, would the, state... The in, internet continues to be the greatest and the worst thing ever. <laughs> it does state that Pat is very adamant that David's death was an accident and not a suicide. And I would have to agree with him. There's easier ways to commit suicide instead of 1,600 miles from your home. And, uh, I mean, every time we got to touch on who's the mental break, I ain't, no. I'm, I, there's no, I'm not thinking mental break this time. I, th- I think mental break last week with Emma, but I don't think this is a mental break at all. No, and in, in this article it says they hypothesized that maybe he was going to fly to L.A. with a layover in L.A. to Yakima, but if so, why would he buy a ticket in his real name, after using an alias for his initial ticket west, I don't, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> guess what? I don't know. All right, so here's where the article kind of, I don't know. Anyway, I'll just read it to you. So David's family doing, continues to believe that we're he doing was, a killer job. Man. Yeah, we, we we've said I don't know about. I don't know, man. This one's, do your own research, people, because we don't know. <laughs> David's family believes he was the victim of foul play, even though the autopsy detected that there was no drug or alcohol in his system. Well, I mean, that would... They believe he was drugged with a substance undetectable in a conventional toxicology screen. Perhaps... How many of the... LSD or another hallucinogen. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, okay. I was about to say, how many... How many drugs are not um, detectable in the drug screen? I don't know. I mean, po- anybody what, out there that's what poisons? Yeah, what poisons? What? What? Yeah, if you know, let us know because we'll start taking them. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> now the other one. This is from his dad. It states, "Quote: They would have had to fly him over to Yakima. They would have had to drug him, chain him, and I think it was done by force." And that's all there is. But the man was seen. So they're saying, what did he just escape his captors? That's what and, it sounds like. This and he was, was yeah. wandering around the, the middle of nowhere trying to find help. That's what they're saying. Ugh, I don't know, man. That is. But again, I mean, we can't rule that out. You can't rule anything out on this. This is insanity. You want to talk about the, the murder mystery mayhem? This is the mayhem. Something wild went on. Agreed. And it makes nut. They're 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 literally they're they're. Will we? <laughs> you know, people probably wouldn't notice how bad we are at this if, if we, we didn't poke at each other. If we wouldn't point it out to each other every time. They'd probably just be driving their car and go. I think he said, "Will we?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the widow we will be no explanation to this that 
we any of us can give that's going to make any sense. There's nothing. Even if, I mean, even if he was just Aliens. like, well, I mean, maybe. But even if he's just like, screw it, I'm going to Washington. Why is he in the middle of the road? I'm leaving my wife. They just don't know it yet. Why the plane tickets? Why? I mean, why any of this? Why did any of this occur? I don't know. <laughs> but there, there cannot be an explanation that will satisfy. Close to a confession of someone getting him out there or knowing why he went. I don't know if this will ever be solved. Well, I mean, even if even if it was murder, even if he did, somebody was after him from a judgment he made and he pissed somebody off. Why Washington? Why? I know. What's the significance of Washington? Why not, like you said, clip him when he's... He obviously was a habit of creature or creature of habit. <laughs> See, there I go again. I didn't say anything. He was obviously a creature of habit because he always kept his keys under the mat. And if for those of you that are like, why the hell is he keeping his keys under the mat? Well, that that explorer had the electronic thing on the outside where you could lock your car from the outside and keep your keys in your vehicle. Yeah. So that's not a digital thing like the beep pop beep pop boop pop boop. Well, no, it was numbered like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, yeah, a little bit before the Yeah. A little bit before the creation of the beep pop beep pop beep pop boop. The beep pop boop. That guy's a genius. He deserved a raise. He does. With the fact that the wife knows that he keeps things in his vehicle, his keys would be under the mat, that kind of and then also the fact that it didn't raise alarm that his wedding band and his watch was on the counter. To me, that screams. I'm walking. I'm gone. I'm yeah. out. Y'all have a great life. It's good knowing y'all. But again, why? Why Washington? And then also, why? if he if there is a threat to him and he's going to disappear, why not somehow let her know of his plans? Well, because if he, if those people want him that bad, you torture your wife, torture his wife until she gives up the information. True. I, I ain't getting tortured. You start torturing me, I'm talking. Yeah, just kill me. I'll give you anything you want. No, don't kill me, but I'll give you anything you want. Just don't hurt me. Don't pull my toenails off. Don't, don't put my head in a vice like on the movie Casino. I will tell you who it is and where they are. All right. I mean, what are your, I, we've beat this to death, but I mean, I don't. This may be a fairly short episode, but because there's just literally, I mean. There's no information out there. None. I was going to say, not even about the little information. There's just, there's no explanation for this. This is the craziest thing. I have ever heard in my entire life. I thought the the Yuba County Five was weird, but you can chalk that up to their mental disability. Yeah. If you really have to put an answer to it, that don't make sense. But this was a highly educated man, not depressed, claims he's in danger. Very vaguely, though. You know, it's kind of a... I don't know why, how the conversation went, but it seems like it was kind of off the cuff. Well, I may be in some danger. I don't really want to get into it right now. Yeah. 
And it could have been financial danger. It could have been danger of losing a job. It could have been danger. Like, who is to say it was specific mortal danger? I mean, I'm I'm assuming it was. I don't know, man. And <laughs> I don't really have a theory on this because... I think Unsolved Mysteries didn't do this because they saw this and was like, what? Yeah. Nope. They couldn't even come up with anything for this. Well, and the other thing, the tickets, I think the tickets and the fact that he's found 1,600 miles away is the glaring WTF for this one. I mean, if he disappeared and then weeks later he was struck, it might make more sense and there's there's time to piece together his Mm -hmm. travel. But this Mm -hmm. is quick. No, he clearly was on a plane. Yeah. He clearly flew. To, to Washington. There's absolutely no other way about it. You cannot, I don't. Cannonball run this one. Yeah, you know, yeah, this is. Speaking of which, if you've never watched Cannonball Run, that is the best. It isn't, but. It really is. No, we're not getting into that. But anyway, <laughs> he had to have flown. Bottom line. You cannot convince me otherwise. Unless they just drove straight through the night non-stop this is 1600 miles let's say do the math for me see let's say they go on an average of 70 miles an hour that's on average we're not talking we're talking city too i mean you're gonna have a some city 23 hours and 25 minutes driving the correct speed limit and toll roads and that don't you'd have to piss in a in a jug yeah that's a very small window to make it in a car but again, the, the the tape was running. Tape was recording. He left within eight hours of pressing record. Yes, he left within eight hours of pressing record. So that gives us, and then he died at ten thirty the next night. So that gives us thirty six hours, maybe total. I mean, it's doable, but at the same time, if he did it, what did he drive? If he drove that whole way, where did he get the clothes? Where did he get the car? What in his car? True. So, in my research, and I did try adamantly to find some, there is not a whole lot of theories out there. And I, when you, I mean not a whole lot, I mean I didn't find a single theory you, out there. You look up the information of this case, and at the conclusion, you see the, uh. Yeah. <laughs> like, and there's the, that random, well, ima- he, was, imagine, he had a mental break. Imagine the emoji of the of the person with their hands up shrugging their shoulders that's the theories you find yeah because there's there's just not any information out there and i understand that it was 93 and the digital footprint was not there and they probably didn't at the time think to check bank records or credit card receipts because he was a john doe and 10 years later those are probably gone because everybody's probably moving towards computer records at that within that ten year time frame. It's still, I would say that it was still possible with enough effort that you probably could have found something. But yeah, I mean the fact, but we have the we have the evidence of the two plane tickets. But it, but again though, they don't know if they were used. So well, I mean again, but we know that he purchased. Right, them. right, right, right. We know that he purchased. And like you them. said, he could have purchased a ticket to Washington by cash, and there's no record of it. It just, it's a head scratcher. If you're listening to this, 
And you have a theory. And you have any theory whatsoever. Please, I want to hear anything. Anything that would try to possibly make sense. Because if it's a murder, doesn't make sense. Too far away. Too 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 convoluted. Too, yeah, there's too many moving pieces in it to put him in the road. All right, let's say, I'll give you this. If it's a murder, you drug him and hope he dies of exposure in Yakima? Yeah, just leave him in the middle of nowhere or And something. then he stumbles into the road, tripped out of his mind and gets hit by a car, and, you, and you're like, oh, that's even better. But there's no drugs in his system, no alcohol in his system. He's not, he's not intoxicated. He's just there. Yeah, if we have anyone in the medical profession that deals with autopsies or toxicology screens, that you, you could reach out to us at mysteriousbrews at gmail.com and let us know what kind of what's in a toxicology report. And even if you knew what's in a toxicology report in the 90s, did it change by the two, early 2000s? I mean, that would be great. I would accept an opinion from somebody who knows how to spell toxicology at this point. <laughs> you don't even that too. You don't even have to be in the field. <laughs> like i mean again we know our we know our podcast is frustrating for some people we get feedback on it people want answers we have none on this one there's nothing to explain this no there's not i just i don't know I'm i'm at a loss for this one i don't really have a theory because there's just not enough information out there for me to make an educated guess on well, we and we're we're supposedly educated people. I don't have an I don't nothing. I could. Oh well, he had a mental breakdown. And he but no. Oh man, this is why we had to do it because we're so fucking. <laughs> we are so confused. So please reach out to us. Mysteriousbrews.com, mysteriousbrews at gmail, mysteriousbrews at Facebook. Do whatever you got to do to make. And we will gladly do a follow-up and put everybody's opinion on here because I have none. I do not know what happened to this man. The saddest thing. I hope, this is my hope. I don't know about the afterlife and all that, but if there is a heaven. They answer some of your questions? I'm hoping like the very first part of my, 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 my stay in heaven is me sitting in a movie type theater and they're like, okay, here's what happened. Mysterious Brews episode one, Yuba County five. Boom. Shows me what happened. This is what happened. Episode what you know, this is what happened to uh, Blair Adams. This is what happened to I, I want all of these answered. That's my idea of heaven. But I don't even know if there'll even be an answer to that one in heaven. To this one in heaven. Mine would be uh Robert Stack telling me the entire answers oh, yeah. to all Sitting of them. Sitting next to yeah. you, just be like, <laughs> Coach, this is how it went down. <laughs> In his voice, like, yeah. maybe you can solve. <laughs> <laughs> all right, recommendations. I am going to recommend the Unsolved Mysteries channel on YouTube. Go back and watch those old episodes uh, because the new episodes on Netflix are fantastic. But if you just get on YouTube and you type in Unsolved Mysteries full episodes, It'll lead you to a page that has every single one of them commercial free. And the the company that did it and hats off to them is called Film Rise. Film Rise. They, they are phenomenal. We, we've 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 uh, we've recommended it before, but it's worth it. 
Um, fi- yeah, FilmRise did it, and they have been nice enough. If there have been any updates since the show went off the air, they've updated it. So. And uh, if you have internet-based TV, Pluto TV has a dedicated channel. That's and all they play. Pluto is absolutely free. And it has some of the weirdest channels. All of the UFO hunters are on there, too. But it's awesome. It they is. Have, it's awesome. They have an American Gladiators channel. I know. I know. I know. 24 hours. They also have all the old Johnny Carson. Yeah. They just... I don't see how people are even like... If it wasn't for live sports... That's it. That's the only thing that keeps me direct, subscribing yeah, to something. That's the only reason why I still have DirecTV's live sports. That's it. But yeah, they have like a Tosh.0 channel. Yeah. Like 20, it's amazing. 24 hours straight, Tosh.0. 24 hours straight, American Gladiators. 24 hours Baywatch. straight. Baywatch. Baywatch. 007. <laughs> I could go on and on. That When I stumbled across Pluto, I was like, yeah! It's so I make my son watch the American Gladiators every once in a while, and he's like, you watch this? <laughs> it's so lame. It's so lame. There are so many things back in our past that you just have to leave in the past. Like, as a child... My favorite television show was ALF. Yeah. Loved ALF. And then I saw that it was coming on some channel now, late at night. So I'm like, oh, we're recording ALF, baby. And then you watched the first one. I like, watched two episodes and I was like, oh, Jesus. What was that? I, I ruined my whole childhood. <laughs> the only thing that's kind of stood the test of time for me is Cheers. I could watch that over and over again. Never seen it. Need to watch it. It is good. But yeah. <laughs> My recommendation is the Pl- only reason I'm recommending. <laughs> Didn't you just? Re- re- yeah, Pluto is the best. <laughs> Didn't you just? Re- uh, if you don't like that? my recommend my recommendation of Pluto TV, then we did finally convince one of our listeners from Washington to start watching Justified. So I recommend Justified. Oh my god, it's such a good show. My wife hates that show. Mine does too, but I watch it because I quote it all the time. That's the show I go to sleep to, and she's like, "You know they have." minimum 54 gunshots per episode right and i'm like yeah she's like it's awesome you know it's hard to sleep through gunshots and i'm like not for me <laughs> <laughs> all right then well you got anything else there slappy i'm good brother i had uh, a great time today i hope you did too i did too man it's great to be uh, back in the saddle again. yeah like subscribe give us a rating tell a mother tell us, a brother tell whoever tell a friend get somebody yeah that's a mission Get one other person to listen to this podcast if you enjoy it. And we would certainly appreciate that. Deuces.